Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound Podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. You are in store for a wild ride of an interview with Pamela Betty. I had probably the best time I've ever had interviewing someone. She's a well-known blues singer from Long Island. She's taken her music across the world. We're going to hear a couple of her original tunes. We really had a blast. She has some great advice for up-and-coming singer-songwriters, and we'll learn about her journey in the music industry. Let's take a listen to her cover of the song Voodoo Woman. You're going to enjoy it.
you, baby. That's right. Pamela Betty is a fabulous singer, a performer, a songwriter, and inductee to the New York Blues Hall of Fame. I had the great opportunity to see her perform at the warehouse in Amityville. And within a few moments, I was smitten with her soulful voice and really captivating stage presence. She has worked with some of the biggest acts in the business. Joe Badamasa, Taylor Duane, Rick Springfield, Papa Chubby, the Lords of uh, 52nd Street, and the fabulous Thunderbirds, just to name a few. What a privilege to have Pamela Betty on the program. Pamela, welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast. So good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. So let me just give a little backstory. On a Sunday afternoon, uh, the Long Island uh, Blues Society, right? Is that the proper name? Yes, yeah. yes, the Long Island Blues Society, yes. Was was running a an event to help uh, send a couple of uh, people, Kelly Baker and another gentleman who I forget right now. Uh, and yes, you, yes. They, they were going to Memphis to uh, compete in the International Blues Challenge in Memphis, Tennessee. Right, which you did as well from what I understand, right? Yeah, I went down to Memphis twice. I went down in 2007 and uh, back again in 2020. That's great. I tell you, Beale Street is really a wonderful place. And over the years, I haven't been there probably in 10 years, but when I was there, they really did a nice job. It's very touristy, but there are blues clubs, it seems like, every 10 feet. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's a fantastic experience, yep. Yeah, and B.B. Uh, King's down there was uh, really phenomenal, and there was the uh, Queen of Memphis, and of course I forgot her name. She was phenomenal, and uh, just, just what a... <laughs> you, you're forgetting a lot of people's names tonight, I know. Steve. It's, <laughs> hey, it's Monday. It's Monday. What can I tell you? <laughs> So, oh my goodness. So let, let, let me ask you this, Pamela. You know, obviously you've been singing for a number of years. And when did you start? When did you find your voice, your style, um, in, in a way to, to the way you sing today? Is it always I that actually way? love this question. Now, I, I do love this question because people assume that I started very young you know, or I was like a kid and I was singing and dancing and I was in all these sh these school shows and school plays and that's not my experience at all. Hmm. Um, I did a, a few random things in school, but it wasn't my focus. Um, okay. It wasn't until I was in my 20s and my sister married a very, very accomplished guitar player uh, named George. George Chapman, and I sang at my sister's wedding with the band, with his band, and wow. everybody kind of went, when could you sing? And I knew I always wanted to sing, and I enjoyed it, and I loved it, and I loved performing. Um, especially in college, I did I did comedy. Okay. I, you know, I was a cocktail waitress in a comedy club, and one night the comic didn't show up, and the owner, nice little Jewish man, listen, you, you're, you're funny. Get up there. <laughs> Do something funny. Oh, and wow. I just put my tray down and I got up and I started doing a spiel. And then I started doing a spiel like on a regular basis there. Um, wow. But uh, it didn't really come to fruition. It was, you know, doing comedy is really hard work. You know, you can't just get up there and be funny. It's a, it's a lot of hard work and then people can steal your material. So it wasn't until my sister got married that I sang at my sister's wedding and everybody was like, why are you not doing this like all the time? Oh, wow. And my brother-in-law took me under his wing and that's really how I started. And that was in the nineties. Wow. You know, you know, it's interesting. So, 
I'm sorry. I'm kind of a late bloomer because I'm in my 50s now. Uh-huh. So I've been doing this for like 30 years now. Well, that's the two things that I love about music is one, uh, by the way, you play the best instrument in the world, and that's your voice, which is the most beautiful instrument that there could ever be. Uh, and there's an art to that and a lot of work that goes into that. Um, but, you, you know, you could sing until you're in your 90s, hopefully, if you take care of your uh, health and your voice. Right. But the other thing that's kind of interesting, and the fact that you went up and did comedy, I think that's, by the way, getting up on stage to try to make people laugh, especially doing it spur of the moment, takes a lot of guts uh, because you're naked out there, so to speak, you know, and you've really got to work the audience and win them over within a matter of like 30 seconds, really, I think to, to kind of take it off. But it gives you, I feel very, very comfortable. I feel very comfortable on stage, especially when I'm funny. And that's in my comfort zone. I think when I have to be a little more serious is when I get scared. Like it's really easy Mm. to me, for me to be the goofball and funny. So what's, what's interesting is now in my shows now, I get to do both. Okay. So if somebody walks in a place and I'm in the middle of a spiel, they're like, oh, my God, who's this crazy lady? And then I open my mouth to sing and sing with the band. And they're like, wow, that's that's really cool. So I, it's, it's not like I've ever left my comedy roots. I kind of bring it into what I'm doing now. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. So I'm very lucky that way. Yeah, but you know what you also do is you win over the audience because I, whether it's public speaking or, or playing music or comedy – you, there are people who want to see you succeed for the most part, you know, and I think the key is how do you, how do you turn them to say, hey, she's a lovable gal or guy and and yeah, I want to I want to, I, I, you know, they lean in. I, I want to hear more, you know, type of thing. And you can mix that with music. And that brings me to a, another point, because I'm not going to talk about people anymore because my brain is fried as far as I'm remembering anybody. So I'm going to avoid that by by any means necessary is. When you go up on stage, how do you feed off the audience? And what if you have a crappy audience? You, you know what I'm saying? You know, there is no crappy audience. Okay. It's fair enough. It's, it, there, there is no crappy audience because I, I think the people, and that's a good question, because there are some venues that you go to and it's a different kind of crowd than, say, another venue. Right. Um, you have to be able to read the room and know who your audience is to draw them in. So, and I'll give you an example. Yeah, um, without being Without being politically incorrect, I will try as hard as I can. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, the Long Island crowds are great because they love live music and they're very receptive. Um, I find that when I go into the city or if I have gigs in Brooklyn mm-hmm. um, or in one of the five, you know, the other five boroughs is that it's a bit of a tougher crowd. Okay. Um, in other words, people are trying to be very cosmopolitan and fabulous and, you know, oh my God, and, you know, what are you going to do for me? So you ha- I have to read that room and that's when the comedy Pam kicks in and like makes them feel automatically comfortable and then they're like, oh, okay, I get this chick. Right. And then I can play my music and draw them in. So it's also, you have to kind of be fearless. You, you, you have to, like you said, you're naked, you're on stage. But you have to be able to put yourself out there without worrying about what everybody's going to think so much and just do you. And I think people appreciate that too. 
Yeah. You know, I have people come up to me and say, you know, wow, you're so comfortable. You make me feel so comfortable. Or yeah, I make direct eye contact with the people in the audience. Like I'll look right at them. Um, you know, there's just these little nuances that make such an impact when you're dealing with, with an audience. But you have to really just know how to read the room. Yeah. And you know what? The other thing I find, because I, I think I'm, I'm like you in, in a way that I use comedy in tense situations to kind of diffuse things. And kind of mm -hmm. hide, to be honest with you, to kind of hide my fear because that's how I deal how I deal with things. My brother is, is mm -hmm. pretty much the same. We kind of go back and forth, you know, uh, and that helps us get through things. Not everybody gets it uh, because it can come off as distasteful uh, depending upon the situation. But it's a tool in your tool belt, uh, I think, to endear yourself to your, to your audience, whether that audience is three people you know with a cocktail chatting with each other and doing some self-effacing humor uh that kind of makes you hey yeah they're a regular person i, I can tune into them i think is kind of right. neat but let me this right. how, how did you become a blues singer or do you ah. call, do you call yourself a blues singer i don't know i don't want to yes. nail you down to a genre no i absolutely do okay um, and living on long island you've, i've had to branch out into other genres obviously to, to keep working but mm -hmm. i'll tell you exactly when i knew what, this is what i wanted to do is i was at tramps which is an old club in the city okay and i went with at the time my saxophone slash harmonica player took me to see etta james wow. at tramps small club we had a table right in front of her. Okay. And she was literally maybe three feet away from me. And this big, immense woman comes out. She sits down on this stool and she opens her mouth to sing. And that was the end for me. I was like, holy crap, this is what I want to do. The emotion and um, the energy and her, her styling. And I just, I was in love. And I was like, you know what? This is what it's all about. She, 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 and it was also for me, because I've had a lot of issues with uh, body image and weight. Hmm, okay. And, you know, that was always a big thing for me. And in blues, it's almost like all of that gets thrown out the window because nobody really gives a shit. Sorry, <laughs> if I'm, can I curse on the show? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's nobody no Nobody gives worries. a shit. <laughs> like, you ever see, a, I, my big thing right now is, do you ever see a skinny blues singer? No, because... It's, it's, you know, they've been through a lot um, and you literally wear your heart on your sleeve and you're singing out all your, your trauma and all this crap. And I just fell in love with Etta. And, and she actually spoke to me after the set and I was like, oh, Miss James, that was so wonderful. And I said, you know, I, I, I would love to do what you do. And she goes, girl, if you can sing, just keep doing you, baby. She goes, just keep doing you. <laughs> And then she walked away, and I was like, "Oh my God, that was it!" So wow. Now, when you when you saw Etta, she was up in years at that time when when you had seen her. Oh, uh, she was, but she wasn't old. This was in the '90s, so she wasn't oh. like decrepit or anything. No, she was doing her thing. This was before she had her weight loss surgery. She was still, you know, still big, heavy girl doing her thing. Um, so no, this was in the '90s, and this was at a very pivotal time when I was trying to figure out what genre was I going to sing because I was right. in a cover band singing everything sure. jazz country and i was like i you know i don't want to be a wedding singer i don't there's got to be a purpose to what i'm doing i can't just sing this crap and when i saw edda i was like that's it wow you know what I, you know what i love about blues as a genre and blues is an interesting lament of 
whoa, things are difficult, and it usually comes up with some sort of happy ending, not all the times, but many times in it. And I think, at least for me, I can always talk about the connection that I make as a person in the audience, particularly when it comes to singers like yourself who bear their souls through their voice, something I, uh, I find difficult to do. Uh, and that gives us kind of a modus operandi to say, you know what, there's somebody out there who's feeling what I'm feeling, and they're expressing it right back to me. So guess what? I'm not the, o- I'm not the only one that's feeling right. the pain of a divorce or, or, or body image or, or you name it. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone's expressing that feeling. And I think, you know, a good friend of mine, Mike Nugent, told me years ago, he said, I love Mikey Nugent. Do you know Mikey? Yeah. Mike's yeah, Mike. everybody knows Mike. Mike's great. And Mike was like, Mike, I was like, what do you do this, Mike? He goes, the music heals the world. And I thought that was the most corniest thing in the world. And then I said, oh, wait a second, I got to dwell on this. And it really does, because it does heal the soul. And I, I guess I'm yapping along too much here, is that the, the sad thing is, as a performer, as an artist, you may get a glimpse into that healing that you've done for people when they come up to you afterwards. But I can promise you there are tens of thousands of people that you've, you've healed through your music that you'll never meet until maybe someday in heaven. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Now there's a seat, there's a seat up there for all of us. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There better be one for me. I don't go to church though. Cause I'm afraid I'm going to burst into flames when I hit the front door. So uh, uh, that's because you know, you're going to the wrong church. Yeah. <laughs> We can talk. We can talk. Oh God, I can talk. I used to. I used to be a deacon in the Catholic Church, so I could. We uh, move. Oi, oi, there you are a deacon. Forget it. Oh God, yeah. So I can't believe you cursed. <laughs> you actually cursed. <laughs> hey, hey, let's do this. Let's. Uh, our audience got to hear Voodoo Woman coming in. Uh, that's an original piece, right, of yours? Nope, Voodoo Woman, Voodoo Woman, no, no. Voodoo. Okay. Oh, sorry, Voodoo. It's just such a great version that we did. I love it so much, but a lot of blues blues people do Voodoo Woman, but I, I love our take on it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's nice. You can put your nuances in there. Uh, yeah. And uh, we chose that. One, it's it's a great song, and, and before I have a guest on, I kind of speed date their music, you know, a few days before, and, and that – actually jumped out at me so i'm glad we chose that as the first one for our, for our guests for to hear no you're welcome hey let's do this let's just take a quick break and okay when we, when we come back i gotta think of some good questions to stump you with hey everybody we'll be back with pamela betty just hang with us at the long island sound we're much more than a podcast we're building a community please go to gigdestiny.com check out all our social media links Subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Please comment. Call the listener line. Tell us what you think, what questions we should ask, who we should have on the show. And most of all, we thank you for your generous support. And remember, support the artists who are guests on the show. Now back to the podcast. Hey, everyone. We are back with Pamela Betty. Pamela, so great to have you here. I got to ask you this. So you say you started late in your 20s. You weren't like a prodigy kid at 10 years old singing the blues, you know, uh, before going through adolescence. But now you you just come off the wedding. You get that encouragement of, hey, what the hell are you doing? You should be doing this. Okay. Where did it it progress? Like, where did it go for you from, from that point? And what were your expectations, I guess? Well, I had zero expectations because (laughs) I was like, okay, 
you know, I had the support of my brother-in-law who said, why don't you come and sing back up with me and my band? And that's when okay. I started playing in the city quite a bit. Kenny's Castaways, Lion's Den, Terror Blues, you know, every, every, every live music venue. And then his bandmates said, hey, Pam, why don't we start a band with you being mm. like the lead? Because my brother-in-law had his own thing, which, right. you know, he was, the, he was the lead. And I couldn't be a backup singer for long because of my personality. Like, I am no backup singer. Gotcha. I'm I mean, I will do backup for some people if they ask me if it's like, you know, a friend's band or I think it would be fun. But it's very hard for me to not be in the spotlight. And that's not being stuck up. It's just my personality. Yeah, it's who you are. Right. It's just hard for me to be in the, I'm no wallflower. So, you know, if, if Pam Betty walks in a room, you know, Pam Betty's in the room. It's just, it's just who I am. Right. So, um, so I did, I did get, you know, my feet wet, so to speak with my brother-in-law and singing. And he would give me a couple of songs to sing by myself. And that's when I was like, wow, there was nothing like being out front leading a band. Um, and I learned so much from those experiences and then started my very first band with his bandmates and it was called the full spectrum band. And the okay. reason why it was called that is because we were doing so many different genres, mm. but I connected very much with doc, doc blues was my harp player and my saxophone player. And he okay. was the guy who said, Pam, you really should be singing the blues. Let me take you to go see Etta James. And that was when that whole it really you know. kicked off for you. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it, it's so interesting because I'm, I'm I, in, interviewing different artists. One, to be critical, I've seen artists who play very well, sing very well, but I wouldn't categorize them as entertainers. Or uh, I, put, I put them in the category, that, that's a performer. That's somebody. And, and a couple criteria for me is connecting with the audience being so true to themselves that you go, I know who this person is by their gregariousness out there. And I want to know more or I want to hear more. Um, mm -hmm. That's what separates people. And what's interesting is you were already mentally set up to be a front person. I think it's got to be extremely different, difficult for those who've been on the sidelines per se, and then get thrust into uh the front position because i mean you're the captain you know uh and you're directing right. things and you really do drive that ship you really do and you really have to know what you're doing so uh i would say for people that are currently in the back and want to come up in the front just make sure that you do your homework and you're on your game right because you're driving the ship so the musicians behind you they're going to follow your direction if you just stand up there and sing they don't know where they're going Oh, I you know, you. who's taking the solo? Are we taking it from the five? Are we going to the bridge? Like, you have to know all that stuff. Right, right. Um, but I learned that the hard way. Again, I didn't go to music school. I mean, I'd had a couple of vocal coaches, you know, when I was, when I was, found myself. Actually, before I, my sister's wedding, I even tried to get some singing lessons. And you know what somebody told me? Okay. I had a singing teacher who said, you know what? You're too fat to be a singer, so you should just quit. That's that's what somebody told oh, me. Holy so, shit! So that so so in, in actuality, I did try to start when I was young, but that guy just decimated wow. me, wow. and I didn't want to do it again, and for years because he just and that's when words or pe what you say to people 
can can stay with them forever. But so in, in all fairness, I did start young, but that guy, that singing teacher just blew it out of the water for me. And I waited all those years until I got my confidence back. And then I sang at my sister's wedding. And that's when everybody said, wow, you can do this. Right. Um, so you so, just got to be very careful what you say to people. And, yeah. You know what it is? And, you know, so we lost 10 years of uh, Pamela Betty that could have been out there, you know? Yes. And, and yep. yet there's, there's some people in, you know, I'm the kind sometimes, maybe this is wishful thinking. You tell me I can't do it. I'm going to try my best to freaking do it and prove you wrong because I want to do a na 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 to you uh, with that. But that's not always the case. You know, it, you can internalize things and cripple mm -hmm. people, cripple people, you know. With well, that. that's how I am now, but not yeah. then. I was a kid. Oh. Yeah, I can imagine, right? You, you, you're trying to figure out who you are, right? Yep. Wow. Yep. You know what? So. The, other, the other thing in you being the front person, and I kind of tune into this as I'm watching different bands uh, to see how they communicate. I was just out in Sag Harbor, and I saw um, – oh, who did I Nancy see? Nancy Atlas. Nancy Atlas and um, mm -hmm. Gene Casey. Gene and, Casey, yeah. Yeah, and Gene wasn't with the Loan Sharks, but he was in there, and it was all – and they were great. And and I was like, that was wow. that's the uh, the Friday night fireside sessions that Correct. Nancy has. Yep. Right, mm -hmm. right. So that's the first time I've been out there to see that, and it was yeah, wasn't it was that quite a great a, show? Great yeah. show. People people were dancing in front of the band, and my wife was like, I can't believe this. This is great. It's a theater, and they're jumping yeah. out and dancing like it's you know American Bandstand. It was great. But I look for, as I'm watching people live, I'm looking for that nuance or that communication. Sometimes it's like take it billy or other times it's a wink and a nod and it's very interesting to see how that communication develops i guess over time you know so right. so now you start your own your own band the, the, you said the spectrum the the, the broad spectrum oh, well the full spectrum band and the that was not spectrum. my band that was the very first okay. band that i was asked to participate in and that was after my sister's wedding with my brother-in-law's bandmates gotcha um, who, who took I the did that. who took the lead who took the lead uh, it, it was the guitar player at the time who has since passed away because mm. this was a long time ago. Sorry. Um, but, but he, you know, he kind of took the, he kind of took the lead and I was in that band for a few years, but then I started to say, Hey, you know, I have a lot of power in this band since I'm the singer mm -hmm. and I, this guy is maybe not doing the right thing or I'm not getting paid enough or you know, I'm in, I'm kind of in control here. So what am I going to do like for me? Cause there's gotta be more to this. And I did that for a number of years in that band, but then I kind of broke away and said, I can do this. I, you know, let me, let me get a band going. So now I'm living in Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> so I'm living in Brooklyn in Dyka Heights, Dyka Heights. I love the Dyka, the Dyka Heights. <laughs> Beautiful. Great and, Christmas um, lights uh, during the season. I, I'm so glad I lived a couple of blocks away from that, so I didn't have to deal with that. <laughs> right, it's a um, zoo. It was good to walk to, but not drive to. So um, I tried getting a band when I was living in Brooklyn, and it was like one band after another. And now, mind you, they all want to do, you know, 90s music, because now it's, now it's like the early 2000s, and everybody's doing the 90s music. Sure. And I just wasn't feeling it. You hmm. know, and I'm like, I want to go back to, my, to the blues. I want to start doing that. And then my mom passes away. Oh. So now sorry. I'm in Brooklyn for 10 years. Just my wheels are spinning. I'm not going anywhere. My mom passes away, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to move back home to Long Island. There's nothing mm. happening from here, me here in Brooklyn. 
I can't get anything musically together. Everybody's a, a, a dutru. I, you know, nobody wants to do what I want to do. So I moved back to Long Island, and I made a promise to myself. I said, look, I'm going back home to move back in with my dad because he needs me. My mom's gone. I said, but if I move back to Long Island, I am going to find a band, and that's it. I'm going to get into a band. Like, mm. that was like a goal. Sure. So the first week that I'm back on Long Island, I go out to Amityville to the Joe Vecino Jam. Now, I don't know if you know who Joe Vecino is. Yes, I do. Passed. Yep. Joe used he to do was, a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan very, stuff. Yep, he was a very integral part of my Long Island oh, wow. musicianships, you know, for lack of a better term. And mm -hmm. uh, I really respected him, and I thought he was such a great player. And I said, "Let me go to let me go to this open jam." Now, he, he only he really didn't know who I was. I knew who he was because I had seen him a few times when I would come back out to Long Island. I would see him over at Bell's at the airport. Do you remember Bell's Blues mm. Club? It was a yeah, long it was ago. a southern southern food kitchen owned by this wonderful gregarious fun black woman named bell and it was named bells and it was a blues club at the west hampton airport wow go figure but that was a great time and that's where i would go see joe hmm. and then i said to uh i said to myself okay i'm gonna find this joe guy <laughs> i'm gonna go out there went out to amityville went to his gym and of course he doesn't know me from a hole in the wall and i tell him i'm a singer right. how many how many guys that have an open jam hear that Right, and sure. they like roll their eyes. Oh God, here's a female. Here we singer. go. Well, he made me wait until like one o'clock in the morning. I finally okay. get up there to sing with him, and I look at him, and I go, "Really, dude?" He goes, "What are you gonna sing? Do you even know what key you're gonna sing it in?" And I'm like, oh, "Yes, wow. asshole." As a matter of fact, I do know. And we started playing, and then he looked at me, and he gave me a wink, and we started laughing, and I looked at him, and that was it. We we. Wow. We had this great relationship. He's like, he's like, Pam, I'm so sorry. I really didn't know you could sing. I don't know who you are. And I said, that's okay. Now you'll never forget me, you pain in the ass. <laughs> so that was me and Joe that first night. And um, we had a great friendship. But that night, there were some other musicians in the room as well. And they said, wow, we're looking for a female singer. Okay. The band was called Black Cat Bone. And okay. they said, we really need a girl singer. Can you, you know, can you come to a couple of rehearsals? We'd like to get you in the band. And that's when I started singing with Black Cat Bone. And so I move home to Long Island. And three months later, I'm singing with this band at my very first Riverhead Blues Festival. Oh, my God. That's great. Wow. And that was like, I don't even know, 2000 and I want to say 2006. Okay. I don't, I don't remember the date because I'm old now, so I don't know. But, um, you know, <laughs> but you know that's what, but, how I started on Long Island. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, yeah. Even, even if it's a small vision to say, hey, I'm going back and this is what I want to do. You know, you kind of plant that seed in your subconscious and you go out and you find, you find the opportunities. And that's from the successful singer-songwriters from Long Island that I've met. It's the ones that don't say no to any opportunity and get very proactive in going out and, and finding, finding their voice, so to speak, you know? Right. So, Hey, well, I want to I, 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 go ahead. No, no, I cutting you off. Go ahead. No, please cut me off. I talk too much anyway. All right. All right. So be quiet. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so let's talk about Betty's blues. It's an original song, uh, that I want our audiences to hear. So tell me how that came about. Well, I wrote that when I was in the Full Spectrum band with the guitar player. So this, this song was something that we did, did a very, very long time ago. And um, 
I just finally decided I needed to do it with with my band. So um, I wrote it. I wrote it in like I don't know ten minutes. Go out. Um, yeah, and uh, I wrote it with the guitar player. You know, again, I have to collaborate. Obviously, I don't read or I don't read music, mm-hmm. but I have a very good ear. So if I want to write a song, many times I'll sing it to the person I'm with, I'm collaborating with, or I'll record it. It could be either a piano player or a guitar player, and that's how I write music. Because I have stuff in my head all the time, mm-hmm. but I can't write it because I don't, you know, I didn't go to school. I don't know how to read or write music, which is such a shame. And I probably could, but uh, it's like learning Portuguese to me. Um, right, sure. But yeah, you know, it's like writing Japanese. So that's, you know, that's how I work when I write songs. Um, well, let me, let me ask you this. When you, when you were encouraged to say, hey, you're, you know, you don't know it, but you're a really good singer and get out there and do it. Right. When did you cross that bridge to say, I can also act on the muse or the voices in my head and, and produce music or write music? When did that, did that happen around the same time or did that eventually come? No, it happened. It happened all around the same time with the very first okay. band, and I, I, knew, I knew that I wanted to express myself and get it out on on paper and record my own stuff. Um, gotcha. But again, you ha- I have to have the right collaborator. Like I can, I, I can hum and sing, and I know exactly how I want the song to sound. But I have to have somebody who really gets me. So I've been gotcha. very fortunate that you know I've ri- I've written you know plenty of songs with plenty of you know really good musicians. So I've been very lucky that way. Wonderful. All right, let's listen to Betty's Blues. We'll be right back with Pamela Betty. Check it out, everyone. Boy, you say you want a woman and not another toy. Don't give me no swing you're talking. I'll say I won't be used. You want an answer, but I'm
said they just turned out, yeah. I said they turned out to be So we're back with Pam Betty, and I have a confession to make. And I, I mean this honestly. I've never had such a great time interviewing somebody as I have interviewing you, Pam. You're nuts, by the way. You're crazy. And, I know. Uh, in a good way, though. And, and, yeah, a good, good, happy crazy. And that's why I think we, you know, I think we made a connection here, you know. We did. We did. <laughs> so I'm so happy that you're doing what you're doing you're getting to play with other people. I can't wait to see you out and again, you know, for, for a full show. It was kind of a teaser at the uh, Long Island uh, Blue Society. So I got to catch you uh, as the wa- weather gets warm out here. And, and Well, I think this summer you and your wife get on the ferry and you come out to Fire Island. You will have the best time of your life. Tell you what we'll do. We'll take our boat out because I live on a canal and I could shoot over to Kismet in no time. At about yes. Well, I'll be at Atlantique, but you shoot over there, baby. Yeah, I could. And I'm going to get you some of those. What are those drinks on Fire Island that you're going to end up in a shopping cart <laughs> i don't know it's like a hurricane it's forget it <laughs> no no it's, i can't believe i can't think of it but there's drinks like, they're frozen and if you have one you're yeah, they're like they're like 18 dollars drinks i think yeah that's all right i think i could hook you up i know i got a guy you okay? got a guy <laughs> i got a guy <laughs> anyway hey you know what i end a lot of my podcasts this way and i really mean this uh and my friend bob murray who i'm going to see this weekend said you know steve you can account for what you have in the bank for what you own can never account for the time you have left here on earth and the fact pam that you gave me uh time just to be with you today and and connect and talk about your music is uh is a blessing so i really appreciate it so oh that's very sweet yeah so i'd look to have you back on and then you know we'll just you know what the next episode will be me and you and you get your phone book out and we'll just call people and then and we'll that would be awesome that would be that would be actually Let's order pizza to like Richie's house. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, everyone, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Until next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Peace.